The following show will contain spoilers, but trust us, you'll want to hear about it anyway. Christ! We're not hunting him! He's hunting us! Welcome to Subversive Cinema. I have known you since you were a kid, Ricky. Ever since you were seven and eight years old, you've shown superhuman strength. Disrespectful conduct, flippant and tasteless verbal remarks. No, no, I'm afraid that they wouldn't approve of that at all. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's your host, Art, here with another episode of Subversive Cinema. I'm here to be your wrangler, the weird, sherpa to the strange, and purveyor of the peculiar. And this week is a a very, very pleasant surprise to me. It's 1988's The Wizard of Speed and Time. And it was written and directed by Mike Jitlov. We'll get into his whole story shortly. Before we do that, what are we here to do? We're talking about subversive films, what makes them different than other ones. And we do that by looking at character, story, and what the fuck. And this week, to help me do that, is not only an old friend and a new guest to the show, but the man who showed me this movie himself, Brian. How are you doing, Brian? I'm good, Art. Thanks for having me on. This is Thank you for being here. Nice, nice professional opening. It's a nice professional opening. Well, I try to try to fake as best <laughs> as I can around here. <laughs> so typically, what happens, Brian, is I would be the one who asks the guest, "Had you ever heard of the film, and are you glad I made you watch it?" But I can't say that because I, you told me about it. So I'm going to answer the question. This is the second week in a row I've had to do this. Last week I had to do it with Cool as Ice. <laughs> this week I'm significantly happier to say. I had never heard of this movie, and I'm very glad that you you told me about it. Yep, I um, you know, I this was one of my favorite movies as a kid. Growing up in Pasadena, I had two video stores that I would frequent: Carol's Corner and Picture Flicks. And I don't know, I don't know if you remember any of those. I remember Carol's but, uh, Corner, yeah, yeah. But I would rent this almost every weekend, and I can't tell you the first time I've seen it. I had, I believe, my parents took me to a movie theater. Yeah, I'm not sure. The only thing I really remember is sitting in a movie theater and hearing Ying Yang Pizza. <laughs> and and yes. that's 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 from the movie. But um, ever since then, you know, I rented it on VHS and I wish I could get it on DVD, um, but it's just not there. No, I. it's interesting, too, because I was reading some of the comments on which we'll get to. But surprise, everybody, the, the movie's on YouTube and we'll yep. talk about some of the history of it coming up. But. I was reading the comments on YouTube, and in fact, I think the guy who composed or did the music for the film had commented on it saying that the people at Lucasfilm have offered to clean this up and then do a full transfer, mm-hmm. but it's all up to, to Mr. Jitlove to, to say yes or no. Was but, that um, John Was that John Massari? Yeah, that guy, yep. Yeah, he also did the score for Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Ah, that's a fantastic <laughs> piece right there. I love that. It yeah. has a, that makes sense because this does have a very sort of whimsical, you know, carnival esque, you know, midi synth bouncy sort of sound to it. So it's it's very jubilant. Yes, very, very jubilant. That's <laughs> very like happy. That. It's a very happy movie. So let's talk about this movie, The Wizard of Speed and Time. It's a story about Hollywood. A man with a dream, special effects, and unions. Oh my God! (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you something. If I had to pick a favorite scene out of that movie, it's the union scene. 
Yes, the 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 sycophant task of going from union rep to union rep, <laughs> union rep to union yep. rep yep. is that's uh that's so that's good. Will that's Will Ryan. He plays all the union guys. He does yes. all the all the all the characters, and he's also done many voices in American Tale, Little Mermaid, oh, wow. Land Before Time, and Rockadoodle. Well, I want to say I want to commend you because you are correct in that you did come through with quite a bit of notes. Look at that! You're you're making I, my I, job easy. I'm appreciating you, that. You know, I'm here to help. Ah, any, yes. Any way I can. You know, <laughs> I want to be able to bump this in my car for my kids. Hell yeah, man! Hell Maybe yeah. like Dad. Wow, wow, Dad. You know, <laughs> you are you are really cool, Dad. <laughs> oh yes, I'm gonna get so much tail from this podcast. It's gonna be oh ridiculous. for sure. For sure, especially when you bump that for your for your oh, kids, right? No doubt. <laughs> um, anyway, getting back to this movie, um, this movie reminded me very much of you, in a way. Yes. Yeah, and I I'm kicking myself I'm kicking myself for not showing you this movie earlier when we were doing the money shot. Yeah. But there was a period in my life where I just kind of forgot about this movie, and now we're now I'm back to it. But it reminds me very much of you doing your film it's a this movie's a labor of love you can tell that this i mean this guy is pretty much done only this movie yeah that's really what you know he only did this film he he did do you know the short version of this which was the what he did to try to get a job at disney and it actually it looked like it did get him some work where he did a segment for you know the magical world of disney as well as mickey's 50th he did something for that so that that was all before he did the 1979 short. Oh, for some reason, Disney. I thought he did it even earlier than he showed up. But you're right. The short was nope. in 79. So, so. so he was a UCLA student in 1969. He uh, he did a short called Speed, which involved a green jacketed van uh, running and flying over the streets of L.A. Uh-huh. And it gained such popularity, he decided to work on another short, which is the 1979 uh, Wizard of Speed and Time short, which disney scene and they wanted to use it for the uh ugh, i don't know i have it one here somewhere specials i think one of them, I, yeah I, one was, of them one of them very specials. much mirrored in this film it's a it's an effects thing and they want it uh, yeah yes and you could almost say this movie was done to kind of mimic that because yeah. that's essentially what he's doing in the movie is making a special effects segment for this show for two producers um now, this movie also contains two of his other shorts in the beginning, uh, Animo and Time, Time Tripper, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you've seen the Time Machine movie, the old one. Oh, yeah, with, yeah. With this weird looking the sleigh. Big with thing, the, and then the he yeah, pulls the dial and the back starts yeah. spinning. Yeah. That is the real Time Machine. Oh, he actually the used the one from the movie, The yes. Time Machine, the H.G. Wells yes. time. Yeah. Yes. And then uh, there was another movie that came out recently. Um it was a special on the time machine revisited. I think it was in the nineties or maybe early two thousands where he did a little segment in there as well. Oh, wow. So, um, but yeah, he, um, after, so after he did the short in 1979, that got such reviews, like he went all over, um, different universities. He went to sci-fi conventions and it got so popular that he wanted to make a full length picture of this movie. And let me tell you, it took almost 10 years to do it. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of problems he had, um, money problems, tax problems, 
union problems, like you, you name it. He all the he ones he's problems. highlighting in this movie. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And uh, we'll get into that union scene later. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, one of the one of the most notable problems is is that his movie was called Wizard of Speed and Time. A lot of the footage got mixed up because at that same time in the year uh, 1989, there was a little movie. I don't know if you heard of it. It was called The Wizard. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It was the two-hour long commercial for Super Mario Brothers three, <laughs> yeah. and a lot of his footage got accidentally sent to Universal Studios. In uh, yeah, so that just added to it, and the movie got forced, uh, you know, just swept by the side and limited release, and it's just an underground cult classic. Yeah, it, it's you know when I uh, as I was watching it, and I would take a moment to do some research and look it up. It was heartbreaking to hear about this because of all the effort he went through mm-hmm. to get this done. And when you think about the time and place where this was done, it is just such a Herculean task that he accomplished. And he has nothing to show for it other than a cult following. I mean, he never yep. really saw any money from this. Nope. And he is incredibly talented. And it's, it's, just, it's just crazy. He is. Um, what he does with stop motion with the pixelation is that crazy. was insane. Yeah. The biggest thing was as they even call out in the in the um, in the movie during the sequence where you hear the song "Wizard of Speed and Time." Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my god, he's moving his mouth, and he moved yep. his mouth to the time of the song through pixelation yep. animation, yep. which is nuts. Yep, <laughs> and he he kind of did that so the editors could not take out the music that he put he in wrote. there, so they could not change it. Yeah. Um, there was a, another um, uh, short he did for Disney called The Interview, where he's in a psychiatrist's office, and there's hundreds, I don't want to say hundreds, maybe thousands of these little little Minnie Mouse, Mickey Mouse characters that all just kind of come to life. <laughs> and he's kind of like doing a little stop motion with his, with his mouth, and it's just, you know, it was amazing. It was cool. Because I don't think I've ever seen better stop motion in any movie than what he does in yeah. this. And he did this out of his basement, pretty much. Yeah, and it's nuts to to because you get an idea. I feel like when we watch in the movie, where I feel like we might be getting a little ahead of ourselves here, but uh, I feel mm-hmm. like when we watch in the movie and we see him actually demonstrating these techniques, you know, as he's sitting there talking, he's just having fun. I can't help but to feel like that's probably how it actually is when he did the work. Like, mm-hmm. he's not just saying, I'm going to make it look che- easy because I'm having... Like, I think he actually is, like, so damn good, he makes it look so effortless. Be like, pick this up, pick this up, put this here, take it, pick this up, pick this up. You know, I feel like that yeah, that's actually him working. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No so, doubt. So, just a little bit about what people have said about this. So, it was written and directed by Mike Jitlove, as I said. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. the only thing he's really done. Time Out called the film a bizarre and wacky conglomeration of special effects and fantasy slapstick, and 366 Weird Movies said there's something genuinely charming here. And as I've already said, I found this completely delightful. And of course, I am a little biased because I, as you said, I relate because of my own struggles with filmmaking and being in Los Angeles and seeing it. So there was a lot in here that... Well, you you said you uh, you enjoyed it as a as a child, yep. so I can laugh at it because I get all the jokes and I get the hyperbole of it. Mm-hmm. Did the jokes also work for you on seeing like the union stuff and like just the producers and just like the double talking? Did all that, or was it more of just the visuals and the timing that really got you? Or as a kid, 
a kid and even now. Well, there's a lot more I understand about it now as an adult. When I was a kid, I never, I didn't know what a union was. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know like special effects. Like I, I just thought I was like, oh, wow, this guy's like doing stuff in a green jacket. It looks cool. Yeah. Like the songs were catchy. Um, the stop motion was cool. Um, you know, some of the characters were kind of funny, you know, I just, I just enjoyed it as a kid, you know, yeah. I don't know why I just did. It's not a kid's <laughs> movie. I don't think, you know, I, I don't know. It's, I think it works. It is a relatively family friendly film. It, you know? it is very family friendly with a couple, you know, some adult jokes kind of thrown in. Yeah. Just um, like most any good, you know, yeah, kids yeah. movie. There's a, there's enough that go right over their heads that the adults can catch. Like, like Shrek. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so as we've bandied about back and forth, so this movie tells the story of special effects artist Mike Jitlov playing himself as mm -hmm. he is just trying to get people to, to help make his movie. And he gets this opportunity to create a small segment for a special effects extravaganza on TV. And of course, uh, Hollywood being as it is, Two producers, one sort of the angel on a shoulder, the other one is a little bit more the devil. They decide to have a bet on whether or not he can actually get this done. So in the background, one guy is always sort of rooting for him, but he keeps getting pushed to the side. The other guy is inserting himself in every way possible to sabotage Mike and his friends from making this movie. There's money troubles, as, as we've said, union troubles, which we'll play a clip from in a little bit. And uh, and then he, of course, you know, meets a girl along the way. And there's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and a lot of craziness. What I would say, this movie, it plays like a hyperbolic retelling of one's experiences in Hollywood. It's like, this is, I feel like it's real, but it's turned up to 12. And you know how most people, when they go to tell the story, everything gets bigger, everything gets louder, people get more asshole-ish and things get more ridiculous. I feel Absolutely. like that's what this was. This is like the result of telling the story to four different people, it getting tuned up every time to the point where it's just absurd. It's very exaggerated, but it's very true, I feel. Yeah, no, there's a lot. I mean, all the things about that. Well, we'll do. We're, okay, I'm just. You know what? Fuck it. We're just gonna uh, play the union thing because the next, the first thing I want to talk about were characters, and who stood mm -hmm. out. And you already mentioned the union rep at yep. the desk. Yep. I'm gonna go ahead because it is the same actor, and I'm gonna say that guy stood out because he did this. Hello. Hi. Can I help you? Yes. How do I join the director's union? You'll have to be in a copy of the deal memo by your studio producer before you can pay your initiation fee and be cleared by union counsel. Thank you. Uh, excuse me. What is the initiation fee? $7,000 with a $100 application fee, $200 every quarter, and 10% of your salary. $7,000. What is that for? That's the amount you pay to get into our union. What is it, like Social Security I get it back when I retire? Absolutely not! What is your classification? Oh, well, I'm directing special effects with a small crew. Well, then you must have an assistant director, second AD, and UPM all signed with a DUA. All I'm directing is animation. Well, then discuss that with the animators union. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, what's your animation classification, huh? Well, a lot of everything. Cartoon, kinestasis, rotoscope, and stop motion. Oh, well, cartoon animation alone is $2,100 plus a $50 entry fee and a $100 quarterly due. Well, what about filming animation? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, then you go to the camera union. <laughs> and it just goes on. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, it, it should be noted, too, that the union emblem is a vulture squawking holding in his claws a tangled up piece of film. Oh, that's right. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> at first, at first glance, it does look like an eagle. But then yep. when you really look at it, it's like, oh, that's an ugly... F oh, it's a yeah, vulture! Yeah. yeah, it's a vulture. <laughs> Which is very true of unions. Unions are very notorious for just taking your money. And you're like, what am I getting for this? And I'm sure... I'm, I, and I'm not in the business art. I don't know. But I'm sure it's that way out in Hollywood. It's... The, the thing that was the most true about the union stuff in this, there's, there's two sections that were very true. Mm -hmm. One was at the very tail end of that which i believe is this section right here the studio hires the next man on the roster well how do i get on the roster you have to be in the union well how do i get in the union when you're on the roster yep <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> it was always the thing with actors when they're like well wait so how do i get to 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 you know how do i get onto a set well you have to be a union actor well, how do i get to be a union actor well you have to work on set and it was like this <laughs> yeah yep. you know it's a catch-22 serpent yep. eating its own tail sort of thing just, so. just like with anything you need five years experience to get a job <laughs> yep <laughs> and then the other one that uh, really kicked me was this section right here when he goes to pick up his film cans. You can't just carry them out the door. Lucky, it's not mine. I tried to help. I got your cans together, but they can't be moved. What? They're stuck to the ground or something? No, to the system. Look, I'll get Brian up here. The pretty light will take him right out. You can't, Mike. It's a union job. They have to be loaded onto a union truck. Then let's get a union trucker to load 100 empty film cans into an 18-wheeler and take them out to my garage. You can't do that, Mike. When he delivers to your non-union garage, he'll report it. And the union board will call a strike. I know trucker. what you're going to say. But can you imagine what it's like to direct this insanity? <laughs> That's it. Because I could say right now for my, for my own job where I work at a studio... Mm -hmm. And there's an example of how there's union buildings, right, when it comes to movers. So if we have to have movers come and change furniture or whatever around, only the union movers can come on yep. site, like walk yep. through the doors and do it. Mm -hmm. And then if it has to go to a non-union building, they have to actually take the shit outside, meet the non-union drivers, let them take it, then they drive it. And then they stop outside the union building. It's insane how like does, specific it is. Does that make any sense at all? No. And it's all about money. <laughs> it is. It's all about money. It's got to be. It's got to be. Oh my god. It's it's wonderful. So anyway, so that's a character that we both like. But name another character that stood out to you and why. Oh man, I'm gonna tell you. It's the uh, the two thugs. The, um, oh yes, the, the wanna, low rent Cheech and Chong. Oh my God, dude, Cheech and Chong. You got one, I don't know, Mexican thug, and the the other is a Canadian thug. Like, yeah, it's pairing. very weird. What a pairing! But a thing about the Canadian thug, uh, his name is Gary Schwartz. Mm -hmm. You may know him as Bravo the Fox from Zoobly Zoo. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah. And a number of other things that I'm not going into. <laughs> you can look it up on IMDb if you want. But yes. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they were they were kind of goofy. I want to say stereotypical, <laughs> you know, but very Cheech and Chongish, if you will. Um, another character that might stand out to you is Steve Stucker. He's he was the choreographer. Oh yes, yes. And the... <laughs> if if you watched Airplane, you know exactly who this guy is. He was the oh, guy. Oh, you're right, the Tylenol guy, the the he... air traffic control guy, right? Yes, yes. He was the goofy 
air traffic controller guy that sat next to Lloyd Bridges in airplane. He oh, had a small part on this movie. Didn't even realize that was the same guy until you just pointed it nope. out. That's nuts. Nope. Yep. But uh, other other net, I mean, all the characters, you know, were kind of likable. Um, yeah. The uh, the the producer. Um, God, what was his name? Bookman. The good, the good one. No, the, the bad, bad one? one. The bad one yeah. was actually the real. Who was producer actually the producer on the film <laughs> of this movie, and he he played it excellent. I think. Yeah, Harvey Bookman he, played by Richard K. Yep. 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 He played he played a pretty good villain. Um, I like Stryker though. I thought he was. Yeah, Lucky Striker, he was the good guy. You know, yep. he's the one who who came through, yep. who always came through. Named after a pack of cigarettes, Lucky Striker. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> and he, that was veteran actor uh, Steve Brody, who was yeah, he did a lot of he did a lot did of a lot of movies. B movies, but he yep. did 170 films. This yeah. was his last film. Yeah, yeah, he died. In fact, yeah. a lot of people, a lot of people from this movie died. But you know, you get that with a movie film back in the 70s. Sure. And also the <laughs> thing about this is there's a, a number of people where this was their only acting credit or one mm-hmm. of the only handfuls of their acting credits. So it's 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 very yep. uh, apart from obviously Philip Michael Thomas from um, <laughs> Miami Vice. So <laughs> Yeah, um uh Cindy, the the female lead in yeah, this movie. Paige Moore. She was Miss Virginia, I think, in nineteen eighty. Oh wow. I wanna say. Yeah. Yep. Yep. This was her only credit. I'm sure it was. <laughs> yep, this is it. Wow. But yeah. And I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. Well, I always like to look at some of the smaller people again. This guy felt like I, I like the studio accountant because yes. he yes. is every accountant ever. And uh, he's a little something like this. Excuse me, Mr. McTavish. I came to get our PO number. Is that an acquisition? Yes. Did you fill out the yellow and white forms? Yes. I'll put it in that apple. Well, then how long till we get our check? Well, we have to see if it falls within the fiscal production year. But we need it right away. Everybody needs it right away. Always in a hurry. You should be getting a check no later than the second quarter of the following even-numbered month, providing that the accounts receivable are all paid up and the accounts payable are all received. Now, go away. I've got too much work to do to spend it in frivolous conversation. Now... That is, I've, I've heard shit like that, where it's like, fiscal year, as long as it falls under this of that. It's like, it's yep. honestly like reading a parking sign in mm-hmm. LA, where oh, no doubt. there's, you know, one statement followed by a contradictory, followed by a modifier, followed by another qualifier. It's like, wait, w- what did you just tell me I have to do? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that was definitely a good scene, too. Um, but yeah, get, getting back to the uh, beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. um, did you happen to catch the themes or the uh the main song the first song of that movie i don't i mean i i just didn't pick i didn't uh bump me but what yeah. was that from it um well it kind of just talked about selling your soul to hollywood for a chance to make it big it was just a very self-deprecating song is about this how song is it like in the beginning credits or where is it around? uh it's oh gosh i think it's within like the first like is it over the the the, the title I want to say it's when he's driving into Hollywood for the first time. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I um, see. Yeah, I, okay, this right here. Yes. Oh, you're right. How did yes. I miss that? I just, I think I was like, I was so busy watching. I'm, I'm not going to listening. Lie. 
I'm not yeah. gonna lie. This this movie is something you've got to watch like four or five times to catch. Oh, there's a there's every so much going little on thing. in this. Yep. So there's, much going there, on. There's little hidden things everywhere. Um, and I I've even been told there's over a thousand subliminal messages put into this movie by Mike, mostly in some of the animations that he did. Um, because this whole movie was done without computers. This is all him sitting over an animator's board coloring painting everything and like some of the electric shocks that you see some of the things where his glasses light up supposedly there's writing in that i would believe that actually yeah yeah, yeah. I, I would um, say for anybody who's going to watch this if you wonder how he does this uh, they tell you they show you right in here when he's in his room uh the flatbed editing system which has about six or seven small film reels over different docks and you cut them and you splice them there with a small little monitor to see what you're looking at between each line. That's how you used to edit film. And when he's doing the visual effects for running across the country, he has a, a, uh, a clear cell and he's coloring on it with a pencil. And then he tilts the table up, takes a picture, tilts the table down, erases it, and then redoes it. So he shows you very quickly in little mm -hmm. brief moments how the magic is made. Yep. And I think that could really be just looked over by most people today because it's so easy now. You have an Instagram, you yeah. know, uh, filter or whatever that does all this shit for you now. Yep, yep. And I've, it, I've seen a video of George Washington singing. Oh, like, see, that's crazy. You, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know it, it, like what's real anymore? Yeah, yeah. What, what even but, is real, man? Yeah, but this movie—he did everything without a computer. He was—he did it all with color pencils, markers, crayons, paint, whatever. And it, most notably is that running scene that he does when he's running in front of a train. Um, I don't yes. know if I don't know if you've seen other movies like Superman, where he's Superman's running in front of a train. But you look at those two movies from about the same time period. You tell me which one's better. <laughs> that's true I honestly I was watching that sequence and I couldn't for the life of me figure out how he did it even though I've seen the different tricks made yep. throughout the film it was yep. quite impressive yep uh, well I guess that's we sort of technically jumped into what the it fuck now, here's the fun everywhere. thing is in this in this what the fuck is actually more like what the fuck that's amazing as opposed to what the fuck that's crazy you know or whack and, and that's why I, that, that's why I suggested this movie because yeah. this isn't a Serbian film no it's, it's not, not. no it's not this, this isn't Salo, you know, <laughs> the, the Green Inferno. Whatever, whatever, whatever I, I see you're movie. familiar with some of our work. Um, I've, I watched those movies years ago, and I got to tell you, like, I had to watch 120 Days of Sodom without any subtitles. I had no idea what was going on. I'm just watching. Why would not, you do not, that? Because I got the fire stick and I'm pirating everything. I, 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 you know. <laughs> Well, why didn't you? Why didn't you bother getting some subtitles? You know, I did what I could do. Okay, okay. I'm not a, I'm not a smart guy. All right, that's why I'm before on this podcast. We, before we get to all the crazy things that we really do appreciate about this, let's just very quickly look at the story. Yep. Um, so, th did the story make sense to you? Did it jibe? I, for uh, me, it did. I mean, it was a little crazy all over the place, but yeah, it was. It was, but yeah, it jived for me. It yeah. it made sense. It had a beginning, a middle. And it ends. Um, if you kind of look at it and realize 
by the time you get to the very end, he's actually sitting in a theater watching this whole thing go down. So he's really watching a, his own movie, which is great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a movie about a movie about a movie. Being and they made. even reference like the people in it. I love it. It's like, yep. hey, did you see that guy from Miami something? I'm like, yeah. that's amazing yeah. that they could reference yeah. that. Yeah, like during the end credits scene, everyone's like kind of talking as if they're in sitting in a theater themselves. And uh, <laughs> it, it was it was good. It was good. Yes. Absolutely. I so I agree. I think the story was was uh, good. There's been uh, some. There's been some, you know, some some comments from some of the reviewers um, mm-hmm. and critics that kind of come at him for. I guess I'm going to relate this to the story because it's it's so much about the adversity he has to go against of the system. And this is one of those times where, you know, I'm always have issues with critics because I am one of those people who does believe that, you know, there's the, uh, there's, the, you know, people who can't do go off to become critics of those who can, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's really what it is. I feel like most people who were critics that saw this film and they wrote a review and they talk about how, well, it's a little bit self-involved and it's too focused on this, that. Well, it's because they've clearly never tried to make a fucking movie. Um, let alone actually deal within the world of what Hollywood is, as opposed to sitting on the bleachers and just, you know, color commentary, making color commentary about what comes down the road. So I never thought that it was too much. I mean, it, the movie owned exactly what it was. The story owned itself. It said, we're going to essentially do a live action cartoon, (laughs) you know, very much a cartoon, (laughs) very zany, very animated. Um, you, you could tell this guy he he loved what he did. Yeah, and if I had to summarize the uh, the overall tone, uh, it would be with this jingle. I am the wizard of speed and time. The world of film is where I shine. I've got magic to let you see just where you were and want to be on imagination silver screen. God and damn it, and, and with that with that catchy little jingle playing is some of the most amazing stop motion you'll ever see. It absolutely is. This entire sequence is phenomenal. Where I yep. was just captivated. I'm like, this is the sort yeah. of shit where, yeah, you know, how did Tim Burton not come across this movie and say, I need to get this guy to do any of my Frankenweenies or whatever, you know, Frankenweenie. Yeah. <laughs> Did you happen to catch one of my, it, it, this is probably one of my favorite jokes in the movie when he first meets Cindy in the very beginning of the movie. Oh, he yes. Run, he runs into her in the elevator. He's like, Hey, do you remember me? I gave you the clap that everyone, everyone that's right. The yes. Like, huh? It's like, I was your cheerleader. I gave you the clap. And everyone, <laughs> yeah. Everyone's like, huh? <laughs> oh, in fact, wait, why would I hey, try to get, do it justice? Yeah, when? yeah. Yeah. You gotta play it. I beat you here. I'm your cheerleader. Remember? What? This morning in the car. I gave you the clap. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I made a note about that. That is one of the yeah. such a good joke. And um there there's another there there's another one. Uh it's when he's whistling on the park bench. Oh yeah, with the tape recorder thing. Out in the Hollywood Hills. Yeah. Uh, when Cindy and her friend, well, I don't know her name, whatever her name is, comes up there. Um, he's like, yeah, you know, I got some other work you could do, you know, the, it's long and hard and all this other stuff. Like, <laughs> she's like, oh, I've heard that line before. Yeah, she's like, oh, honey, I heard that line before. 
Oh man. I think, I think they had to add those jokes in there because there was a conversation with Richard K who is the producer and plays Bookman on this movie. Um, he said it was too clean. It was ah. too G rated. So they wanted to kind of dirty it up a little bit. Okay. So I think that's why. So then they add things like that. They add things like that. So you have to be gentle and precise. I could teach you the basic moves, but you'd be up all night. It's a lot of hard work. Come on, honey. I've heard a lot of lines. Oh, no, it's all right. I... Let's go, girl. I'll explain ask... all about Cindy, it. Cindy, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. Yeah. Um, what did you think of his bicycle? <laughs> his bicycle is one of those things where. Was that Pee Wee Herman enough for you? <laughs> at first, I was like, I don't understand, but it's. The the bike is him, to me. It is. It is. It's literally it's a personification of who he is. He gets on this thing. He's got his little attaché thing that's got the word speed that lights up, and mm-hmm. then he's got ego in the front, and he's got all sorts of weird shit on there. And it's just, uh, it's like the mega bike. I, I have to say, I didn't understand it at first, but as it went on, I just was like, fuck it, I'm down. And I yep. like that it's electrified and it's the same bike thief keeps trying <laughs> <laughs> no matter what. It's, um, yeah, it was, it was, that was one of those where I was like, he's a goofy fucking guy, but I'll, I'll go with it, you know? Yeah, just, that, that bike is right out of Pee Wee Herman. So out of Pee Wee Herman, right. <laughs> and, uh, there's a, there's another scene that I liked, um, it was when he was showing the two producers in the movie theater. It's right around the, I guess, 830 mark mm-hmm. in the movie where Bookman's like, you got to have wide shots, close ups. That was a great <laughs> sequence. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. It's like, and every shot is what he's describing. And then throughout the movie, you see yep. the subtitles. Yep. Like, Bedroom scene and chase scene. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That was so good. But also I did, uh, and just because you can never have enough of the union talk, oh, <laughs> um, we have to have uh, a little shout out to that uh, sequence in that theater where this happens. Lucky, I think I better go there and help him. No, Mike, this is the union shop. Now, come on, sit down. Oh, yeah, that's right. Relax, will you? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I know we touched on the union halls and everything else. Yes. I, I, this might be what you're getting ready to say is the whole soundstage. No, but that was really funny though. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Where they go over like, oh, you know, $4,000, you know, that that's good for the week. He's like, oh no, that's per day. (laughs) He's like per day. (laughs) Oh, and then I love when they show him, they they show him the, the economy one. Where it's oh like, my god, it's, the little rat it's lo- comes locator out. right near the bus line, the train line, yeah, and Burbank air- Airport, and then everything just keeps getting louder and louder yep, and louder. Yep, and that and that reminded me of the scene when you were shooting in the money shot. And oh yes, oh god, where was this in Rivera Beach? Yeah, it was that. Going... It was at Dave's house when we were <laughs> shooting outside with the plane, right? Yes, the planes just kept coming. They over. just kept coming, and I remember kept I went on a tirade about it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. So just, just this movie reminded me so much of you. Oh, well, I, I, and maybe that's really, again, why it, it's, it's sunk in with me, because there's so much that I could commiserate with. Yep. So um, I've never, well, I guess in some paths I have seen somebody like this, but I, I did enjoy that this, the, the nephew 
I think it's the nephew of the the studio owner. Oh my god! And when we're first <laughs> yes. introduced to him in the with, photo uh, booth, which was yes. way bigger on the inside. Oh, that was, was on the outside. I love that. I love that sort of joke. That's like straight <laughs> yep. out of Top Secret. Yep. That sort of joke. Yep. That slap sticky. Yeah. Kind but of thing. You, yeah. You got this dude who just rolls up into the photo booth. Mike. Well. I, I just bought these cameras. <laughs> I need some film. Harold, you're such a class. <laughs> what type? Color or black and white? What's the difference? <laughs> That's my favorite. I love that. That <laughs> yeah, tells me everything different. I need to know about a guy who has a bunch of cameras because his uncle runs a studio. Yep. And, but it's what the guy says after that that I love. He's like, well, oh, color's yeah. prettier. <laughs> it's, well, color's prettier. <laughs> Oh man, it's it's Jeez. it's all so good. I mean, this it, movie it, it is it it's, is it's a it's a it's a lot of fun. Um, I showed it to my wife, and she's just sitting there like, "This is dumb." <laughs> and you know, I was like, "I could see that because she doesn't appreciate Hollywood." Sure. I don't. I'm not in Hollywood, but I can look at this movie and appreciate it well, because I, I work. I, I, I work with you. Well, there you go. Now, here's the question. Do you think you would appreciate it as much had you not had the nostalgia element to it? Mm. Having grown up with it, if you were just to if, stumble on it now, so let's say you still did Money Shot, but, you know, had you, would you think the same way about it? Or would you also look at it and be like, well, this is kind of dumb or, you know, I don't know. It's it's hard to say what I would think about this movie. I if if I never seen this as a kid and I'm just looking at it now, I'd be like, eh, it's just some old movie no one's ever heard of. But I like obscure stuff. I'm not I'm not a real mainstream kind of guy. Um, this this kind of movie though, it's right up my alley. You know, it's I almost want to say this movie is filmed like TikTok. It's like <laughs> 10, 15, 30 seconds, and then it's on to the next thing. Yeah, like it. There's no, no real super long scenes that just kind of drag out. Everything is like in quick succession, and it just it just captures you. It does. It, it, I'll say one thing is it certainly keeps moving. It yep. it never stops and it never, never stops. Lets go, never which stops. is really impressive for a movie that took so long to make. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I honestly, it just speaks to, you know, I think his acumen as a, as a creator. Because uh, I can certainly say that I've worked on some projects, <clears throat> Money Shot included, where uh, it did not take anywhere near as long to shoot, but yeah. I certainly never figured out how to do things as timely as this fellow. So, oh, I got another what the fuck I can point out that okay. is purely amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that famous, well, I'm going to call it famous, pull stunt. Oh, my God. Where it's one shot. Yep, and we see so the, to set it up for the audience who hasn't seen this yet. <clears throat> excuse me. So near the climax of the film, Mike rushes up to the producer's house because the check he was written bounced, and as a solution, because he won't leave the party, one of the producer's thugs throws him into the pool. Now, according to lore and trivia, he had about fifteen pounds of weight or so, like lead in his shirt, so he would sink to the bottom of the pool, and. He gets thrown in at a hour, 13 minutes, and 20 seconds, and he stays at the bottom of the pool with an uncut, unbroken stop shot while the scene's playing out, and he stays there for about two minutes. Yeah, he stays there until about, about two 15, minutes. 22. 
Yep. And, and, and everyone's, you know, everyone around the pool is reacting to him. They're throwing stuff in the pool. They're doing this. They're doing that. But he's the least helpful shit there. they could ever throw in the pool too. <laughs> Was the ladder. Oh, the ladder. <laughs> the ladder and the rope. The, the, the ladder sinks to the bottom on its edge and the rope just floats. And everyone's, yep. of course, like, oh, well, the rope's floating, boss. <laughs> <laughs> oh man it, that, that was a good scene too and then he gets out he's like that was probably the most upset you see him in the whole movie um yeah, yeah the glasses are blinking and yeah. just he's upset he's he's really mad but who wouldn't be if your check bounced from a shady producer that was like oh yeah I'm just just wait here i'll be back with another check and then you know he never shows up he's stuck in the building for god knows how long i'd be upset yeah but I, I do upset. love that uh, he gets to go to the um, the transmission center or the conversion center, and then he runs into fake Crispin Glover. I always thought he looked like uh, great value Matt Stone. Yes, I could see he does look like a great value Matt Stone. He's yep. got a little Matt Modine, yep. and he's just like this shaggy hair, shaggy like, oh, big haired stoner guy who's yep. you know. He's, he's, this is who this guy is. Wow, I'm doing those transfers right now. Well, then you'd be needing the corrective print. The studio sent you elements by mistake. Oh, man, what a bummer. I wish they'd get their heads together, man. It's like I'm always having to work with incompetence, you dig? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can oh, always think so. It's like, I'm just waiting for him to say, I just really want a sandwich, Scoob. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, that was good stuff. That's um, so it, another thing about this movie that I liked, and you could tell me if this is true, is filming without a permit. That is such a funny joke to me because that is, and it still is a thing here. I'm sure um, it's gotten easier because now the rules are essentially that like, it, it, just to, to let people know from my understanding is at least in Los Angeles County, if you want to film, you can do it. But if you you need a permit if you're going to put a tripod down. Mm -hmm. Put a tripod or anything that's going to get in the way of uh, people moving, then you yep. need a permit. So like, obviously at this time, you're going to shoot on film. You need that. Mm -hmm. But it's hilarious that the police, <laughs> that there's helicopters looking yep. for people yep. without permits because yep. that's what it feels like. That's exactly what it feels like. The, uh, the, the police um, in that movie, not the... Cheech and Chong ripoff, but the actual police. Oh, the actual cops, yes. <laughs> uh, well, God, what were their names? Mickey, oh. Minnie, and the dog's name was Pluto. Oh, that's hilarious. Yes. I didn't even yep. pick up on that. Yeah. You're yep. right, police um, dog Pluto. Oh, shit. Yep. That's funny. Yep. Um, there's also another throwback to Disney during the yard sale scene. Oh, um, the little the head, right? Yes, yes. If you... Re if you watched if you were lucky enough to have disney channel back when you were i don't know eight nine years old you might have caught a promo that they did with this satellite mickey mouse head out in space that turned that was that was something mike jitloff did for disney and he actually had the the prop for that in that scene at the yard sale yeah, and like, and was it the same footage, or did he recreate it? Because you know, you uh, see when, it when he had that flash, it. when he had that flashback, that was the same. That was the same scene. Wow, that's yep. cool. See, I missed that. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, he. Like, did I, did, that. I he, thought it was just something that he did for this particular film, but that makes so much nope. sense. Nope, he did that uh, for Disney back in the 
Yeah. I want to say that was in the seventies or eighties. That was so long ago. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know, <laughs> but, um, wow. there was, there was another scene during the yard sale too, uh, where the IRS guy shows up. Oh and yes. And he just keeps taking taking. taxes. And there's actually a funny story about that. Uh, Mike Jitlov is very against taxes. Yeah. If you go to his website, um, God, I don't even know what it's called. The, <laughs> Oh God, got to try and find it. Is it's it his wizard of speed and time.com. No, it's Mike. Uh, the, Oh God, I got to find it because you can oh, actually, I see. it's Mike Jitlov's domain. It's whizworld.com. Whizworld.com. Holy shit. Okay. If you yes. go to this website, it yep. is straight out of geo cities. This is amazing. Yeah. With web rings and everything. You go down oh to the bottom, God. it still has web rings. <laughs> oh my God. Look at that. Yep. This, this is, is like, uh, this is like looking at my MySpace page. This, this is before MySpace art. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but there is a original 1040 tax form of 1913. And you can click that for his take on why taxes are a bad thing. Oh, that's funny. If you have an hour or so, you can read his thoughts on taxes. And he goes into it in great length. Yeah, I can see it right there. Yeah, original 1040 tax form of 1913. A 1% tax? <laughs> Wow. Oh my God. Yes. He's, this is a, this is a fucking thesis. Yeah. Yeah. He is very, wow. anti, he's very anti-government. I wouldn't at all be surprised if that's his manifesto. Oh man. So he's, he's, so he's, he's like the filmmaking Ron Swanson of the world. It sounds like <laughs> I bet you, you go to Mike Jitlov's house or whatever. He's got gold buried in the yard somewhere. He might be. Have you seen recent pictures of him? I have not. You get a chance. Oh. You get a chance. Google that, and uh, you will not be disappointed. Oh no! <laughs> He's exactly how you think he would be. E wow! Just gray Crazy hair and the out same there. fucking same lab coat, dude. He looks like a he. He's reminding me of a. Uh, he reminds me of a slimmer Randy Quaid at this point. <laughs> Just losing his shit Damn. and going off the road. But you know what? All geniuses are kind of crazy. <laughs> they are. They make are. This and movie, he had to be a genius, and that's exactly what he Yep. Was. Yep. I will give him that. I do like the um little wizard logo he makes. Yes. I think that I think that's kind of cool, but you know, I don't know. All in all, I think this was a good movie. And yeah. I thought this would be good for your for your show. And you were absolutely correct, and I thank it's, you for that. It's wack it's wacky and weird. And that's that, that Checks off two of the boxes. Let's really talk about it then on this. Let's let's give it our final grade here. So on a scale of one to ten, how subversive do you think this film was? I mean, it's mm. pretty pretty fucking crazy, you know. <sighs> yeah. I mean it's crazy, but it's just like it's also, you know, it's 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 interesting. How would you rate it? I'd give it an eight. I that's exactly what I was thinking. It's not like full tilt bat shit, but I tell nope. you what, it's pretty goddamn innovative and yep. there's a lot of surprises in it. Yep, it makes it makes a lot of sense. It's an original concept. Yep. There's nothing like this anywhere. This is 100% authentic, original, and you could tell he dedicated his whole life to this. This is yep. not something that you have an idea and then you boom, you're off to the next thing. Yep. Um, this is pretty much his life. This is his persona. This is the life he created, and he took it and he ran with it. And yeah, it fizzled out now. I don't think he's doing too good with it now, but I don't know. People still seem to like it. It's a cult classic. Yeah. Well, it's fantastic. Um, and if you want to catch something else he did, 
the movie Ghost. He was the dark spirit. Oh, interesting. Like, he was the dark spirit. He had a skeleton black suit. Yeah. <laughs> and he had the hooded <laughs> shroud. Like, he he created that whole sequence where the oh, that's cool. character dies and the little demons come out and drag the guy down into the ground. Oh, shit. Yeah. Ah, fantastic. So, what did you think of this movie, Art? I fucking loved it. I thought it was awesome. It. Good. I think it's, I'm glad. I, I'd give it a I'm glad. solid eight. Man, this is great. Uh, this is definitely going into my my Rolodex of visit pretty often because there's, as we said, there's always something new to see because there's mm-hmm. a lot going on in every frame. Yep. And uh, and that that is that you know that's impressive on a big budget movie where they can take as much time as they want on purpose. It's doubly, if not triply, impressive on an indie film where mm-hmm. they are scraping by to get anything they can, whenever they can. And, you know, they might have shot something for a weekend and then not shot anything for six months. And to be able to keep picking up and, pull, you know, put that same energy in the same direction mm-hmm. and the same focus, that's that's incredible. So, Yep. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. Thank you, man. Mission, I appreciate mission it. Mission accomplished, man. That's I got it. The- Mission accomplished. And if you have anything else that comes up, make sure you let me know. And this is the thing about this movie is we could honestly just keep talking about this for hours because there's so much about it. But as as is the story goes, we only have so much time. So we're going to go ahead and leave it for what it is now. I'm sure you and I will talk about it more at some point. I'm sure. the air. But for everybody out there who wants to see it, this is the part that's great but also saddening to me. Mm-hmm. You can see it for free anytime you want. It's on YouTube. Just Google it or you know, go YouTube, The Wizard of Speed and Time. The title of the particular version is Wizard of Speed and Time, the best quality you'll find on the internet or something like that. Highest quality on the internet. It was a labor of love from a fan. They scanned it in from a laser disc and they digitized it. Then they went through and they did some sort of filters to help correct some uh, frame rate issues and stuff. Apparently he did it all with yep. uh, Mike Jitlov's permission. Yep. And that's the, the way to see it. So you can see it. it's sad that that's where it is. but You can actually buy this on DVD, but it's a transfer of the VHS copy, and it yeah. is not good. It's no, on, don't uh... even bother with that. <laughs> if you, if you want to do OG, then yeah, buy the VHS. I'm sure you can find it on eBay. I, I wish I had the VHS copy of this. Like I, I rented it so much. Yeah. So much. It's <sighs> so good. It was good times. Now, Brian, is there anything that you would like to take a moment and share with anybody? Like, I don't know if you want people to find you on the internet or if you want to stay completely no. anonymous. No, don't, don't find me. I, okay. think, I, got, I got nothing to contribute to the society. Don't find him. But make sure you come back for whenever we do have our roundtable discussion about the money shot. I'm sure you will see Brian back then. So You know, I, I will be more than happy to join you on a future podcast, Art. Rock and, roll. and if I got if I got any other movies, which I have a couple that I think you would like for this pod, particular podcast, I'll let you know. Sounds good, man. Thank okay. you. Thanks for the yep. movie. Thanks for your time. It's been so much fun, Brian. It's great to catch up with you and talk about this piece. Yep. No problem. And for all you out there, thanks for listening. As always, I appreciate you. Make sure you check out the Patreon and the website. And until next week, stay subversive. If you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend and leave us a rating and a review. Visit SubversiveCinemaPodcast.com for more information and to become a patron on our Patreon. Find out about bonus materials and patron-exclusive merch. Subversive Cinema.